evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and welcome to Waridesho's Stream of Thought. We're back again to play a little bit of catch-up and cover listeners' episodes 6, 7, and 8. We finally made it to an Ocho, so we, of course, get to make that joke many times over in this cast. Um, I'm Shaden, and joining me, as always, from across the pond, but close by, is the ever-delightful The Soul Doctor. There's probably too much love for the movie Dodgeball on this podcast for people's liking, but... I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going right, to okay. do? Okay, you, you know, I feel I feel like we could actually do a podcast on that film <laughs> because... No, I, I, I'm serious because, like, it's one of those things, like, where we can discuss its history and comedy. I mean, we've said before about the idea, like, how it kick-started the whole, like, sports comedy movie genre. Um, yeah. With sh- shit like Blades of Glory and Talladega Nights. And also how a lot of the humor hasn't aged particularly well. Um, no. And also, you know... The, and also the narrative of, uh, you know, the unfortunate moment of queer erasure that happens at the end of that particular film. Man, I don't even remember it well enough to remember that, honestly. I mean, I have only seen the movie once. That was when it was running in the movie theater. So the, you know, as soon as it came out. And I've not seen it since. So is it is it 20 years old? yet is it approaching 20 years old i don't remember exactly when it came out it's probably almost 20 years old it's certainly (laughs) old-fashioned right yes um but there's still stuff in it that works but we're not here of course (laughs) to podcast about that the ocho joke still works and 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 in and in turn like you know i do think to myself like that parmy is discussing dodgeball right now because i don't necessarily want to go quite into listeners just yet i feel a bit of reticence because I'll put it out there now, folks, I am finding this show exhausting. And I'm not talking exhausting in a good way where I'm like actively engaged with it and genuinely being mentally taxed by like trying to get scripts with deep meanings and theme and all that. I'm exhausted because I'm just tired of it <laughs> at this point. And I'll explain why as we get into this pod. Um, because there's some pretty egregious writing mistakes in some of these episodes, in my opinion. But we'll cover that soon. Right, a bit of housekeeping before we begin. Because we are currently playing a little bit of catch-up here, owing obviously to outside obligations that do absolutely take priority over the podcast itself, um, we're going to be doing this particular episode of Stream of Thought in our second stream format. What is second stream, you might wonder? It means there's no plot and uh, synopsis and commentary. We're going to go straight into the talking points. We will, of course, provide context as we go for things that we discuss. Uh, where it's relevant, but we're not going to go through every single episode step by step by step by step. I will say up front, there's occasions when we do this kind of thing where we play catch up and it actually is to our benefit because we have reactions that are then tempered by further knowledge. For example, if you and I, Doc, I think you would agree with me on this point I'm about to make. If you and I were doing this week on week and we covered episode seven, nah. um, I would be incredibly confused by the ending of that. But, y- uh, yeah. but then it's... It is explained in episode eight, but it still feels a bit weird that it went in that order. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And I'm not going to belabor that particular point. There's plenty else I can talk about. So, um, right. I suppose we should really just jump right into it. We don't unfortunately have any patron questions this week because I'm an alcoholic. No, that's literally the truth. I should have put the prompt out yesterday, but I instead spent it getting absolutely plastered and watching random shit on YouTube until four in the morning. Oh my god! I mean, it's the lock. It's the lockdown life. What can I say? You know, I've 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 got no excuses for it. But fuck it, it was good vodka. And it's a holiday uh, anyway. weekend, right? Is it a? It's a bank holiday Monday for you all, right? Correct, a Monday. Yes, us too. Got Memorial I'll, Day coming up. I'll, 
Woo-hoo! Good times. We, I also get I also get paid on Tuesday, um, so mm. that's nice. That's very good. Got some things I want to buy. Uh, but anyway, rampant capitalism and materialistic <laughs> spending aside. <laughs> also, fuck you, Jeff Bezos. I'm just pointing that out there. Um, right, let's get into our talking points then. So do you want to go first, Doc, or do you want me to like just cut loose? Well, I think it would be probably for the best before we got into the nitty gritty if we start with the question that you asked me off podcast what did you think of these three episodes as a whole and kind of do a check-in um like how you think the series overall is going as as we're now kind of two-thirds of the way done it seems like the end of episode eight has given us uh like the kind of the final has laid the groundwork for like the final sort of uh obstacle that they need to overcome like the final plot thread um so i'm glad it finally happened i yeah i i know i know what you mean um and so what so yeah what where are you at on six seven eight on the whole show and kind of its overall direction confused no really i am um maybe look this might just be me i admit that i have had grievances with this show and the problem is whenever you're consuming a piece of media if you have grievances i think that they get exacerbated the more time goes by and the more you find like if i was enjoying the show and then got to this point now i'd be like "Eh, it's not so bad but i was already it was my patience was already wearing a bit um and annoyingly um i think each of these episodes commits a different sin uh although episode seven in particular repeats a sin that i complained about in episode four um appropriately enough given that near returns in that episode it's funny how things (laughs) weird come around um which i'll explain in detail um uh, in a bit and i will just say ahead of time by the way my complaint is not that it's you know disrespectful to the sex pistols um Although I actually would argue it is a tiny bit, but I will explain again in a bit. Um, But rather, it commits the same uh, crime, in my opinion, of spending them as a currency, if you want to call it that, a narrative currency for fuckity fuckery all, basically. No, and that that was my issue with, like, near uh, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain's portrayal. Like, I, as I said before, like, not to repeat the episode that we did, of course, but I, you know, I like Nirvana and all that, but even if I didn't like spending that famous a band to make a point about, oh, you know, play it, I'm gonna, I've got a plan to not become a player, whatever, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just spending so much for so little, getting so little return. Uh, and that's especially true of episode seven, which I'll get to soon. I, f- I feel like six, Nier, Nier is the best character they've made, though. I mean, you might not think that amounts to much. That's, like, up for debate. But, like, name a better character in this show than Nier. <laughs> I'll wait. I still think Mew's pretty good. Although, that being said, like, Mew has a Mew has a problem of her own, and I'm going to get to that. But, like, jeez. Oh, um, just to come back to episode six, though, like, I, I was annoyed with that for a couple of reasons, but not least of which is that I love how the entire message they're trying to get across in episode six, that maybe the earless aren't so bad... Uh, is immediately contradicted by the opening of episode seven, where uh, Johnny Rotten, we'll just call him what he is, John Lydon, um, you know, uh, is attacked by Earless in the street for no reason. They're not so bad. 
and he nearly gets fucking murdered at the start of the next episode. Like, nice one, listeners. Keep your messaging consistent here. Um, I'll, I'm going to discuss that more in detail later as well. Um, and then episode eight. Um, I, uh, God, what, what even happened in episode eight? Like, it was very confusing, I have to admit. Um, like, the, the, like what? So, uh, like, oh, man, I, the, the, the man who people said was handsome and who I thought just had, well, it just was, he was not my type. I'll just say that, uh, in, in the blue suit, he got together and him and an old like pilot called ACE. And I thought it was going to be like, Oh, here we go with the kiss that, but it, it wasn't, uh, it was not to be, I don't think, but they convinced Moo to do a play to try to, so they were just sort of selling her this, this lie that oh if you do this play it'll bring back jimmy why i'm not exactly sure but like maybe it's sort of like the energies and everything that'll be being channeled and the people the presence there all that stuff there's like hey you'll you'll do it and uh tommy though the the suit wearing evil mastermind you know Really, what he wanted to do was create a new Jimmy, not bring back the old Jimmy. Um, so he sprayed her with teen spirit, her being Moo, and uh, violated her by by shoving the jack into her back from a mech that looked an awful lot like Jimmy's old mech. And, uh, you know, some sort of mind control happened, and away she went. And uh, she killed uh, Lyden Richie. Rest in peace. Yep. I will actually give the show this credit. I think that, and I, I don't believe this, I think that my original theory that the earless were meant to be like a criticism of mindless fandom isn't bearing out. And I'm willing to admit that, hey, you know what, I I am often very wrong. Um, But like, I think that this in turn may be possibly, you know, a retort to the idea of constantly reviving um old arses. Like, sure. I mean, you know, that could be something to it, but there's an issue with it related to Moo specifically, which we'll get to when I get to talking points. Um, and it's something that I commented on as soon as we basically got the gist or the idea that she was somehow related to Jimmy. And that was even before we learned that she was a little sister. Like, the specifics didn't matter. All right. So I'm going to start by talking about um, episode seven specifically. Oh, well, okay. Um, are we still doing, oh, are we Go still on. doing the big overview? Or are you going into? Uh, you, we can, we can, we 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 can do. Um, we're, we're flapping around a little bit here, but like I, I honestly like this show's just got my head in the tizzy at the moment. <laughs> and, although maybe that's the booze. I don't know. Maybe I'm still pissed from last night. Who can say? So you're you're not a fan of the last three episodes, and I take it like that. And, and when I say not a fan, of course, I I'm not saying you think they're dog shit, but just overall, you think that there's more more wrong than right happening here. And I take it that's how you feel about the show as a whole as well. Um, I think my the best way I could describe it is I feel like I'm passing time with, without getting much out of it. Like, Yeah, yeah, I actually agree. So like, to, I sorry, were you going to elaborate on that? Because I'll jump in and, and do my dance here. Uh, well, well, look... I d- there's nothing inherently wrong or, well there is some bits that are wrong in my opinion like some uh, some actual cock ups in the writing in my opinion um, continuity errors is one thing uh, which annoyed me contrivances 
um, all sorts of stuff. But like, there's nothing that I find actively offensive in the show. And that's a key distinction I want to make here because that's like I I've lambasted shows before which I have found actively offensive for a variety of reasons. Um, Babylon being one of them, which was recently excavated from my memory thanks to a talk in our Discord. Cheers for that. <laughs> Love to remember the show of floating, like, you know, politicians in space discussing life and shit. You know why people keep bringing it up, though? Go on. Enlighten me. They want to hear you babble on about it. Ha <laughs> ha! I felt like I was going to have an aneurysm then when you said that. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, like, we're now like we are literally two thirds of the way through this show, listeners. That is, and what is the what is the point of it? That's why I'm going. That's why I want to know at this point. I legitimately don't know what they're trying to accomplish in terms of the story. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish in terms of what the characters are doing. Like, what's their motivations? Why are they doing it? Why do they care? Why should I care? None of these things have been answered. The world building is scattershot um, and just sometimes feels like things happen for no reason. Um, or like, you know, characters have like motivations for what they're doing that are completely contrary to the evidence that we have presented. And I'm not talking in the sense that they're doing because they're genuinely like misguided or presented as wrong. Like the whole idea, for example, that the airless, I'm just going to put out there, like the airless are basically the spirits in Final Fantasy X. The unsent dead Mm -hmm. and the players are the summoners. Basically, that's it. Okay. This is a rip-off of Final Fantasy X. I'm calling it. Listeners is just like... It's not as good I mean, as I thought it would at least, be. <laughs> at least... No. I love Final I mean, Fantasy X. Uh, Echo... I mean, I'm not going to actually even make the joke that Echo doesn't make, you know, like, the laugh. Like, but that's actually not so bad in hindsight. <laughs> no. Thank God, there's, thank God there's no Whacker character. Like, fuck that guy. God. Oh, <laughs> God, he's such a... I, you know, and that's... <laughs> speaking of things I've only experienced once, Final Fantasy X, a game I love... And I totally wiped that character's problems from my memory. And someone posted some shit about him on Twitter. And I was just like, oh my God, I forgot about this. So bad. I, I love how I, I love how when Riku's like home in the Albedus lost on mass and uh, Whacker as they fly away in the airship just goes, hey, it's like happy festival fireworks. <sighs> you know? Oh God. Yeah. What, a, what a prick. Anyway, how, by the way, he ever ends up getting with Lulu, I will never understand. But yes, Talk about outkicking the coverage, as we say in America. That's, he did pretty well for himself there. I don't know. I mean, that, that dress must have taken hours to take off, though. It's like at least a thousand belts in it. <laughs> the one anyway, drop anyway. You have to be patient. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, I, I joke... I just genuinely don't know what I'm trying meant to get out of the show at this point. Is it meant to be a celebration of the artist that it's referencing? Because it's not doing enough, like, no. actual, like, proper reference to the artist in question. Like, all it's really doing is paying lip service to them. Like, hey, look, we're going to reference all along the Watchtower in this episode. Or God Save the Queen. Um, which, by the way, is one of the things I found, like, didn't actually gel with the idea of the Sex Pistols all. Because the entire song is meant to be, you know, like... Uh, retort to the monarchy, but they're saying that while they're def- like you know fighting um, the airless, if they'd been fighting the government at the point they said that, it would have made more sense, you know. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a. I think they said that's didn't a small they... part of my wider complaint. Yeah, of the actual episode. I, I think they like set out to 
what was his line to stick it to the people in the tower but at, and the t- people in the tower were summoning the earless but it is a little bit of a muddled message because like you said the earless and the government are at odds so it's a bit weird it, yeah there's there's a lot of stuff that just feels like it comes out of nowhere so okay it's not really it's not succeeding at like homaging the actual bands in question that it's referencing not not all in my opinion Okay, maybe it did with Prince. I'll give Prince credit there. That episode seemed to actually get it right. Uh, But otherwise, no. So, so, okay, that's fine. What about the characters? Do I care about Echo or Mew? No. Like, what's Echo's goal right now? What does he want to do? What does he ultimately want to have He just wants to help Mew, basically. That's it. Yeah, like, but he has no arc of his own. Like, no, he no, uh, uh-uh, no, and I, I mean, at the start of the at the start of the show, like he seemed like to have a very close-minded worldview, like there was nothing beyond Liverchester, and he's now seeing all of these places, but where's the like reflective moments that bring it back to that origin point where he's like, I've seen an amazing world, but there's a like it's a world with deep flaws. To, I, where's that? It, it's we get like a kind of an interesting moment of insight into his inner life in episode six when. He basically lies to Moo, you know, and tells her oh, what this um, lady who's oh, I can't remember her name. Who's kind of who's the lady who has the crazy diamond and who's at the wall, kind of the shepherd of the wall. What's her name? Oh, that'd be that'd be Fink Ployd. No, that's not her <laughs> name, but we know that's who. <laughs> okay, well, okay, so her. I we we're on the same page. So she, you know, has told Moo that. Um, Echo's going to become an earless because he has sound sickness and he's in an advanced stage. Um, so you need to stop being a player if you want me to to heal him. Moo makes that transaction. But Echo sort of tells her, hey, you know, <laughs> she's lying. Like, she's how, how could you believe her? That's ridiculous. But we can see from his conversation, Echo's conversation with that uh, lady from the wall, like... He knows that that what she said is correct. He's just sort of trying to protect Moo. But like, we see that, right? But like, I feel like there's no connective tissue between like how he was prior to that. And then that moment, it's almost like we are just sort of a a security camera and we're seeing these different scenes. But like, why is it happening? And like, what's it leading up to? And like, what is that paying off or what is it seeding? You know, I just don't know. I mean, it's interesting, but I just feel like it's too kind of isolated of a moment and I don't know what it's in service of. But that's the only moment for, for Echo that I like can think of that's a genuine kind of character moment that doesn't involve, you know, let's go, Moo. Like, let's let's go. Kind of does, though, because it's still, it's still about him lying to her about it so she doesn't worry, like, you know... What about something specifically about himself? Uh, like, you know, it's like I've said. What's up with all these? Out into a wider... What's up with all these men being plot devices for for women? Huh? That's some bullshit. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. It's been happening for too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Um. So okay, like the characters. Um. I've talked about Echo, Moo. Like I said before. Um. In this podcast series. Now that we know she's related to Jimmy, what does it matter to her? Like, does it does she care or not? 
And I'm not saying she has to. She could very well be like, I'm not going to be defined by, you know, like the identity of another person, uh, which in itself could be an interesting uh, character arc. I mean, do we want me to bring up Ranker and Cheryl again? Please. You know? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to keep banging that like particular nail into the into the you know wood here, but like that was like you know I want to be my own person. I don't want to. You get the point. You've seen Mark Ross on here. If you haven't, why are you listening to this podcast? Um, but like, okay. So does Mew care or not about like Jimmy and what it means for her identity? If it does, then I'm not seeing moments like that, like where she discusses or reflects on that. Like, where is this? You know, people seem to revere Jimmy a lot, but like, does does she does that bother her? Does it not bother her? Like, can we have like some discussion about it? I def- or am I missing? Am I missing something here? Have I forgotten a scene? Like, I could be wrong on this. <sighs> you know, I felt like that a lot during the show, so I, I get this. I get this feeling. What am I missing? Yeah. Um, and as for all the other characters, like you know that we've seen thus far, like. <sighs> I I mean we've now got a villain but where's he been doing corporate evil magic in the tower <laughs> trading stocks yeah, <laughs> where's I mean we have the new Bas- the new Bowson sisters from before uh, they came back briefly they got punked dude they be- <laughs> they got their asses kicked they, they be- <laughs> but yeah but they basically just serve the same role as Team Rocket now, so there you go. Um, so, I don't know at this point, like, what I'm meant to get out of this show. or uh, Like, if it has a goal in mind, it's lost on me, and it's not succeeding at it, whatever it is. Because if, if it was, I'd probably be cognizant of it. So, it's not... I, I say, this show is not, like, offensive, but it, it feels just like I'm killing time, you know. It's a great, I, a like, great feeling. waiting for something interesting to happen. <laughs> I'm waiting for something interesting to happen because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be doing that. And on top of that, it's completely like failing in my opinion at doing justice to its own world building. And I think that it is still committing the crime of, you know, these bands. So we're going to use their, like your knowledge of them to fill in for us actually doing like our own work here. And that's particularly true in the sex pistols episode, which I'll discuss in a bit. Um, it's the same issue I had, as I said before with the Nirvana one, where it's, cashing in your own knowledge that you're bringing to the show of these bands, which is it kind of inevitable in its own right. Um, so I accept that um, in order to like bring in Port across like uh, about who these people are and what they're doing. But the show needs to do that in its own right. And it doesn't do that in episode seven, particularly with the sex pist- like XPs, um, which I'll elaborate in a bit. But yeah, like I, I'm just like here drawing my fingers on my desk watching these episodes, which is perhaps a bigger sin than being genuinely angry at them. I don't know. Like, I've discussed this before, like, where I find shows that are mediocre to be more infuriating than actual, um, you know, problematic shows. Because there's only so many times I can say, I'm bored. Yeah. Yeah. As a bo- being boring, uh, the worst, the, the cardinal sin of media. <laughs> being boring. It's worse than being bad. So... I'm, I'll be curious to hear in a minute your episode seven stuff, because much like you were with like MBV and maybe even Prince, like Sex Pistols are a band that I know of. And I've even, you know, I've heard some of their music and stuff, but like, I don't really know, you know, like a ton of like, I'm not like intimately familiar with like the history of Sid Vicious. I just know that's where the wrestler Sid Vicious got his name. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on on how how it um, relies on that on that knowledge and uh, and things like that again because that's knowledge I didn't have. So, um, but so me for the show overall, I I think I'm going to echo a lot of your points. <laughs> echo uh, because I've oh. moved. Hey, Moo. Oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> I've, I've come over to your side about about this uh, in large part, like, since, really since after episode, since episode five, I think, a- after four. Like, I was, I was really hoping and kind of waiting for the show to be special. You know, it's, I had hope for Daisato. He's been associated with all kinds of really good projects, but, but I don't know, like, the show doesn't really feel special. Uh, I can't really put my finger on like what's the beating heart of the show. Like what what am I supposed to really be invested in? Um and I just it, it feels a lot more like the show is ticking uh boxes for yeah. for you know I don't even want to say character development because I'm not even sure that's what they're doing, but it, it feels like more um, kind of uh, anime paint by numbers than like that there's real humanity again to get behind or to root for uh, or to, to latch on to. And maybe that's like because they've been introducing a billion characters and then those characters leave, um, you know, but they've had consistent characters throughout and it's just tough. Like I, I just am not, like you said, I'm not really sure about them. I mean, one of my biggest problems with the show is I just don't really feel like Moo and Echo have a genuine connection. Um, I mean, they're they're showing things, right? Like their behavior toward each other. Like, you know, Moo is like, I, I want to save you, right? I'm going to drag your bleeding carcass into this uh, mirror pyramid because uh, I want to save you. But like, why? Like, what's really between them? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, I don't really know, like, what they have together. So it just feels, it feels all wrong. Like, it feels forced and inorganic to me. And, um, I mean, I know he was there for her when she, you know, had amnesia. But I just, they haven't really invested enough time in, like, building them as, as a thing. And that would be something that would be great and easy to get behind is, is this young couple trying to fight through this fucked up world. But, you know, I just like, they don't really have anything together in my opinion. And, you know, I think here's how I'll frame the, the whole world building issue is I think that anime, I'm going to make a huge generalization here, Shadon. Oh, pot girl black hour. <laughs> like you need, we 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 need like an air horn, like in a pot girl black like, you know, soundboard noise. <laughs> Which, damn it, you've reminded me again that I have one of those, and I just have forgotten to set it up and use it. Um, what one day soon I will I will bring the soundboard out. Um, but like, I, I think generally I'm gonna divide anime in terms of their sort of large overarching goals into. Into, a, into some big camps. I, I feel like a lot of times if anime is not trying to kind of 
lay foundation and build a world out from the bottom up with rules and things like that and to kind of paint a coherent world picture for you uh there's a ton of anime that do that across a bunch of different genres but there's also anime that don't really start with those kinds of things as as foundational i find i find that a lot of anime especially like in the last you know 10 15 years maybe maybe longer um start with foundational question of like what do we want the audience to feel and Mm -hmm. how do we get them to feel that and like so rather than creating coherent world to tell a story in, like they're chiefly concerned with sussing out of you uh, a reaction and like this show seems to be doing that via this particular aesthetic and references to music of a certain era and i think that there are even though it's not like my favorite way of experiencing a story i think that that can definitely work i mean there's enough good anime that do it um but (laughs) i think that it probably is more difficult to pull off and for someone like me to to uh, like really get invested and appreciate it um because it feels like a, kind of a almost a backwards construction in, in some ways and again there's been anime i've really liked that did it like i could, some of them you know can can suck you in and you're there and you're feeling those moments and not thinking about you know what has not been shown to you or or the kind of lack of of foundational elements that you might be used to in other stories but this show almost feels like i mean i said it's doing that but i think it actually might be caught between the two approaches i think Mm -hmm. it might want to do some world building because it's trying to do some different things but like it's not my opinion yeah it's not really following through on a ton of it so i mean can I just cite one example that just made like i had to pause the episode for because i was just like what the fuck how in the flying blue fuck did uh, like John Lydon, uh, Johnny Rotten, become a player out of nowhere? What an ass pull, dude! That was yeah. I mean, that was some hot bullshit. No, and but but if this were a show like um, I don't know, Die Buster, um, and a character got like a power during the fight like it would just feel like par for the course you know what i mean like if this were a trigger show it it would it would be like okay cool whatever it would but here's the difference though like it says you say it's caught between two extremes here because it is trying to do world building it's establishing things about like players lose their minds you know when over time like the earless of the spirits of the dead etc so it is establishing rules and set facts, but then it, things like this just fucking happen. I mean, in a show like Die Buster, where the rules are, or rather, like you know, are not necessarily so explicitly laid out, like it's kind of a canny fally thing, if you follow my meaning. But I just thought to myself, like, what the, what, how, what, why? Yeah, so mad, so mad. 
you became a player. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? I that like that moment annoyed me because I was I like it spent enough time explaining things and then this just happens because otherwise the plot doesn't move forward. And I'm like, oh come on. This is amateur hour shit. Um and that's not the last time I'll be complaining about amateur hour shit. Um But here's the thing, right, Doc, you were saying about like the idea that some shows do invest in world building and some deliberately don't. And I want to be fair here. Like, when we first started this particular show, um, we were asked, um, I think it was by Emily Rand, actually, about um, comparisons between this and Eureka 7. Yes. Which I have actually been watching ever since Mm -hmm. um, on my lunch breaks while working from home, which has been an absolute treat. Uh, If you want my TLDR, by the way, on um, Erica 7, it's fantastic. Um, But it's not without its problems, one of which is, funnily enough, the world building. Because every time, like, we have a scene of them going to the council in Erica 7, like, talking about trepars and shit like that, I'm just like, I, I don't fucking care. Like, this is just nonsense to me. I don't give a shit. I mean, heck, it took, like, a good solid, I think, I know, 30 episodes for it to establish that it wasn't on Earth, which was really confusing for me. Like, oh, you know, 10,000 years ago, like, we moved, like, what the fuck? But here's the thing, though. I don't mind so much there, because what's happening with the characters... Um, along with the, the actual aesthetic, which is, in Erica Seven's case, its own yeah. and not borrowed from, you know, actual real, like, bands and musicians that it is with listeners, like, that is more than enough to keep my interest. I'm enjoying what's happening with Renton and Erica and Tallow and, uh, I almost forgot his name then, Holland, um, Ray and Charles when they were there, for, like, for the time that they were in the show. Great! Like, there were actual character arcs and journeys and dramatic moments and people were fucking up, but they were recovering from it. They were learning and changing and evolving as people. And in listeners, we've got... I don't know. Yeah, like, what? what is it that you're supposed to be feeling? I think that's a very fair question, because I, I just don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's setting up these these big moments. You know, like at the end of episode eight, when... Moo is is brainwashed or or whatever it is, and she fires into the earless. Um, and you know that could be a thing. I mean, we could feel something for the earless, but I just don't know enough about. Them. I'm just so unclear on what what we're supposed to be feeling about them I'm, or I'm what con- they I'm are. Confused. And then like because she killed people think, and it's like what? Fink, yeah, I, I'm confused because Fink Ployd, like she says, <laughs> you know, okay, they're the they're the spirits of the dead. This is my dad. And that's kind of like a reason for us to like, you know, um, think like maybe Jimmy had the right idea. But as I said, at the very start of episode seven, out of nowhere, the earless are like going to murder fucking Lydon Sid Vicious. I don't even care about like using their actual made up names at this point. <laughs> He's um, called Richie, um, like, which I sort of thought, is this the Richie? Lionel Richie episode? <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> Uh, no, I. Oh God! <laughs> but it wasn't. You know, it, maybe, it very may, much was not. Maybe in the season two, you get the expansion season where you just get like more people. Right? More <laughs> yes, it's, it's just a perfect yeah, expansion yeah, that, pass. That, that confused <laughs> that that confused me because like, okay, I'm supposed to sympathize with the Alias, but then the very next episode, at the start of it, these two guys would have been murdered by them in cold blood for no reason. Yeah, we need to. The show needs to do more like, work what? here. It's already spent six episodes on this, though. It's had more than ample time to do the necessary work for this. Um, it's true. 
so yeah, I'm I'm legitimately confused um, by what the show's trying to accomplish, and it's not doing a good job of it, in my opinion. And I think that if I were to like, this is me again being incredibly arrogant on my part, folks, and I apologize that I do this because I think as a critic, I should try and restrain myself from suggesting fixes more, like you know that I do. But I think that for me, what they probably should have done is maybe like cut down the number of reference bands, like to maybe two at most of like you know or even one like keep like and then have them recur over and over like okay yeah we have Nerd coming back of course but like i think that trying to do this like we're gonna go to different places and see different people our homages to bands every single episode like it's not an efficient method of storytelling like one of the one of the things that I was taught way back when in primary or elementary school, if you're you're an inferior American person, I'm so sorry, um, is that in creative writing, you use as few characters as possible to get the story across. But we're filling up every episode with new characters. And I'm like, eh? What? Like, I mean, hell, we don't even get introduced to the actual, like, villain of the show until this epi- this most recent episode, a third of the way from the end. If it was any later, it'd be fucking Necron from Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> it's a good pull. I, uh, I don't know. All right, I suppose I should get into specifics yeah, then. So let's I'm do it. Gonna go st- I'm going to go into a small thing first. Um, but I actually want to use this to criticize myself and also criticize criticism, would you believe it? Um, so there is a thing that happens in episode 6 and at the start of episode 8 that I pointed out on a discord that got on my nerves but it's a minor thing overall which is that we see at the end of episode 3 that um, Echo and Moo's robot can fly so why is the robot walking to the Pink Floyd pyramid and then why do they plan to walk to Londinium when they can just fly there now here's the thing before you answer that it doesn't matter because this is just a minor thing, but like I think that the reason I'm bringing this up is because what I want to try and do as a critic, generally speaking, is I don't want to just interrogate like logical inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. like you know, that's that's like very very like entry level critical discussion. Um, so I think that the point I've made there is a valid one, but it's ultimately minor relative to the stuff we've been discussing, which is what is the show about, um, and the other much more major like structural and um, pacing problems with the show overall. And, and um, I think something I, I'm, I'm glad you said this cause it clicked into my head, something I wanted to say earlier, but forgot to say, how is the a plot here with echo and moo, the earless and what they're doing. How's that tethered to pop rock music? either in general or from that era. Because if it's not trying to kind of speak to that in a meaningful way, then, like, what is the point of the aesthetic? I haven't even thought of that, and you are exactly right. I I get the idea of, like, the country-trotting adventures-like structure of the show, because it is a tour. That's the parallel you have there. They put on performances, quote-unquote, in each town. That makes a certain amount of sense in my mm-hmm, opinion. Mm-hmm. But, but like, what, like the fact that we don't know what Echo and Moo like, are even like, stand for as characters in turn bleeds through into what they would stand for if you want to interpret them in a musical sense. 
like they're an original creation of the show that's existing in a universe of XPs of actual artists. So what's the contribution here? What is the thing that's being added to the wider, like, you know, musical lexicon, if you want to call it that, or canon? What like what do they represent as people? Um I don't know. Well if it, if it is I mean we had something we had something going with like Echo at the start, like where he obviously said, Hey, I'm I'm you know, I'm cool being a junk collector, it's fine, I've got no wider ambitions. But that's that that was done. That is now gone and has not been addressed since, even though it would be an amazing thing for like them to discuss in more detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I don't know, I mean, do you remember the whole almanac thing? Like and how oh shit yeah we were thinking we were speculating you know is this going to say something about fandom or epistemology or a billion different things but like and i think it it could have but and i mean i know there are going to be some people that say well what you're the work you're supposed to do is the audience is like kind of remember that and you use that to inform your experiences of episode seven and eight or whatever, but like, I just don't know if I buy that. I mean, I think if, well, Echo and Moo don't even actually appear in episode seven. So no, yes. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess I was generally speaking like just the later episodes when they haven't brought up the almanac or whatever, but like, I would, I don't think it's a matter of like, you know, not liking subtlety on my part. I just, I just it just feels like they've forgotten or that they just are not going to do anything with it like we sort of hoped that they would and and it just represents like a, a lot of what the kind of early promise was in the show for me and like a lot of the early threads that have felt like that they just have been kind of left behind and it makes everything feel Yeah, I agree. really disjointed and like you're booting up a new episode of Listers it's like feels like okay, here's this completely new thing that is not going to be super related to what's come before. Now, that trend was bucked in episode seven and eight because because of how they ended. They were directly related. But I think you understand what I mean. Yeah, I do. I do. All right. Um, so I just wanted to put out there like that there are criticisms like that you can make of service level elements, such as the logical inconsistency of the fact that Echo and Moo don't simply fly the robot everywhere. That is a valid point, but not all points when you criticise something are weighted equally. And certain focus should be paid on to, you know, some over others. So I'm just putting that out there because I think it's interesting that how I can still point season and still be annoyed them. I have far bigger fish to fry with this show. And I think that if you yourself, listener at home, and by the way, what I'm preaching here doesn't make me automatically right. I could be talking out my ass here. But you in turn, listener at home, haha, I can make the puns too. <laughs> Like, if you want to be a better critic and consumer of media, like, you could, like, start at these points, you know, this, like, TV tropes, like, Cinema Sins level, but you've got to dig deeper. You've got to dig deeper into the more fundamental issues and what the show is trying to get across and accomplish. Um, Steal thy shovel. And indeed, there's... (laughs) And indeed, like, the the things like that existing can be a sign of, like, deeper problems as well. Mm -hmm. So... I find bring that up just because it was a reminder of that, and I think it's important, like, you know, that... Because I've, I've been thinking back to, like, our earlier podcast days, and I focus way too much on that kind of surface-level nitpicky stuff, whereas really I would prefer to be focusing more on the fundamental issues at hand. Like, 
I can complain, for example, in Franks about like, hey, why didn't this person do this? Whereas really, what I should be complaining about in Franks is why were these characters written in this way? And what agenda were they trying to put across? So I'm just pointing yeah. that out there. And sometimes, anyway, just, just to uh, defend I'm, surface level criticism, sometimes it just depends on also the sort of investment you want to give the material. If you're watching a garbage level movie and you know it's some throwaway bullshit, like it's just fun sometimes to pick it apart <laughs> in terms of logical inconsistencies. But yeah, just, just to def- defend you here <laughs> a little bit. Like if we're talking about <laughs> Elf and Lee, sometimes but, it's fun to just be like, why the fuck is the dog here again? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, 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 the, the, no, the, the, the dog, I like the dog is not a surface level criticism, <laughs> even though it's like, on, no, it, 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 it isn't because it, it isn't a surface level criticism because it depends, like, it's the client, like, rather, it is the complete undoing of an emotional client. That's true, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not simply a mechanical thing of, like, you know, these characters get it so much faster if they remember their robot can fly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but, I see your point. That, but there is a there is a similarity still in how you, like you can appraise them, like the dog just fucking back, or like you know they forgot about it, like similar sort of thing. But the the weight behind them is different. Um, so okay, I'll pass the baton over to you, Doc. Uh, what's your first talking point you want to chuck out there? Well, um, you know, funnily enough, a lot of mine were about like the larger picture, but I have a couple moments that I thought were worth you know, talking about, um, just cause they were interesting, um, or fun. Um, I, I really, really liked, uh, the fact that in episode six, um, they were, they being the group that lived at the wall before it was sort of wiped out and all the, the people there died and became earless when there were still people that people there living with other earless, they would do this ceremony where they released, um, balloons and there were not 99 lift balloons, unfortunately. Uh, that was very disappointing. I know, I know, but they were all these, <laughs> it said, so we released balloons of all sorts of shapes in the, um, in the sub, but it looked to me like they were just pig balloons. So it's like very funny to me. Like, why pig balloons? <laughs> why are they all big pink pig balloons? Um, and that just made me happy. Just a, a huge kind of group of pig balloons being let loose in the sky to celebrate something or other that I can't remember now. <laughs> but what did you think of the pig balloons? I had completely forgotten about them until you brought them up. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I remember. They just struck me, the pig balloons. Why, why pig that's, balloons? That, that's me admittedly. Like, you know, I mean, it's like I said before, like, my frustration with the show is bleeding through a little bit into how I watch it, mm-hmm. like, in a cumulative way. Um, we don't, of course, watch things in the vacuum. If we're already annoyed, then we'll, you know, like, that can affect our perception of it. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm probably talking out of my ass with a lot of stuff. But, yeah, um, I, the, the, the wall episode annoyed me for a couple of reasons, but I'm going to save those okay. for later. Or you could do them now. Um, okay, I suppose I can. Um, well, there's one specific thing that I want to bring up, actually, with the wall episode, um, which is to do with sound sickness, which we discussed before. You don't like now, this. I, I... Okay, here's the thing. I think over time, I've become less amenable to the idea of made-up, like, 
it problems. And I want to say made up. Um, like, I'm not saying that obviously, you know, like the Echo's faking and he's not really got sound sync. So what I mean is, um, and this, I'm going to get him bring up Eureka 7 here by comparison. Um, if you've not seen the show, like, without going too deep into spoilers, because um, I would recommend you actually watch it, like, there's a section in the second arc of the show, the second season, if you are caught at that, where Erica is constantly um, suffering from headaches um, and such. Um, she just genuinely comes across as quite sick. She's very unwell. She, like, she's barely able to stand. Like, you know, people are worried about her and such. And they don't ever give this a label. Now we can infer and we like as an audience like that it's from the juice the circumstances of her origin which again i will not uh spoil here um especially as the show goes by where you build up over time but they never like give it a label and i actually think this worked in the favor of making her and by uh association an enemy or anemone or how you pronounce her name not zero two <laughs> there we go we'll go with that um, i always just said anemone Anemone. Okay, uh, like I think, I I think that for Eric and Enemy, like that what happens then because it is never given this made up neologism, like actually works out better and makes it more relatable, because it felt to me like they were just suffering something that you and I could suffer, like you know, these massive raging cases. Like I was actually discussing this, I think with, I forget. We were talking about it a bit. Was it, oh. Yeah, was it was it yourself? I can't. I'm so sorry, Doc. Like, no, no, we did again, talk about it. I don't. You may have talked about it with someone else, but you linked me to a, a page. So, like, look, these are. Yeah. This is uh, a right, real thing you. that the symptoms align with what Erica's going through. Yeah, um, I'll actually just uh, explain that now, folks. Which is, um, I work with medical oxygen. Um, I don't talk much about my job because I don't really want to, like, you know, put too much of my like identity out there. Um, in that sense anyway but um there's a condition that is rare thankfully uh called cluster headaches and you might think to yourself what what's cluster headaches? it just sounds bad it sounds terrible just the name well 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 doc you went on that site Can you described the image that was uh you know on there of what some an actual cluster headache sufferer dis- like suggested the pain was like the drawing they did. uh it was uh hideous it looked uh vile and awful it sounded like you'd never want to be in that state it was like one side of your face was, like, was exploding outward. <laughs> yeah, people have killed themselves because God. of suffering that, by the way. Uh, um, medical oxygen is used as a uh, symptomatic reliever of that. Like, if you have it at very high concentrations, it will take the, it'll stop them from triggering and take the pain off. Hmm. Um, it's an awful, awful condition. Now, I'm not saying that in the Erica 7 that either Erica or Anemone or an enemy or whatever. <laughs> Um, had that specific condition but like the way it came across felt like that and again this is my own bias because of my knowledge of that particular condition coming in here and that's why i felt it was relatable but it wasn't like a made-up disease whatever they had in terms of it wasn't given like a label why is this a problem in listeners because like the moment i heard described as sound sickness i just thought i felt an immediate disconnect i was just like this is not a real thing like it makes it less relatable when you call it like some made up like thing am i saying you should never make like you know make up of like a fictional disease to get a point no of course not but like it had no import on me like it just it come from nowhere it wasn't like something that had been built up before it's just like oh he's got sound sickness and i'm like oh okay great now what um uh, <laughs> 
I, I don't know, like, there was just something about it that made me just immediately lose a certain amount of efficacy, like, um, or made it lose a certain amount of efficacy towards, like, making me care, because it was described as that, rather than just, I don't know. Um, but also, like, I found this confusing in the context of the wider world building as well, like, okay, so apparently, um, you know, the earless are the spirits of the dead, but they can also be converted from actual people because of the sound sickness like okay that's interesting uh whatever i guess <laughs> um and secondly like you know okay maybe like i'm pretty sure that think ploy like says you know like hey you know being an illness isn't so bad but let's put too fine a point but echo is coughing up blood and like you know he like through this process it's clearly not a pleasant experience becoming an illness so what is my takeaway here I feel like that this thing just came out of nowhere uh, because of the name being dragged again, coming out of nowhere as a motivator for the plot of that episode. And I don't know, like there's something very phoned in about mm. it. And it hasn't even re- recurred since then. If they wanted to do this properly, they should have established this as a thing that happened earlier in like the show's run. I mean, people, for example, said that they were afraid of like players, for example, because they attract the earless. Why not mention this sound sickness then? Sure. Sure, that would have made sense. And I mean, they can they can say, oh, we talked about it earlier when Nier was kind of vaguely referring to it. But like, I feel like that's a little cheating. Um, well, actually, now you bring that up, that's a good point. Like, you know, Nier's been a player all her life, but like Hull, for example, hadn't become an A-list or had sound Yeah, sickness. well, they didn't. I, I don't get the impression based on that episode that they were partners very long. But, like, if this is a known quantity where people get sick from being in close proximity to players, shouldn't this be reflected in the wider, like, world and the way people treat them, if it's such a big deal? Maybe that's part of why, uh, like, they get kicked out of the towns, not just the Witcher business, but where, ah, uh, you you only bring the monster trouble, but also, like, you make people sick. But, again, it's not stated outright until this episode. What I feel like that they're trying to do here is, like kind of seed a dramatic moment around the finale when echo is going to clearly like have this moment or this, this scene where he either becomes an earless or almost becomes an earless and Moo has to do something. Um, I think that's what they wanted to, to do and have a reason for that. Uh, that I don't know if that alleviates the problem though, that you're bringing up. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, like, I think that in general, I, speaking for myself here, I just think that I'm getting tired um, or maybe growing out of, and that's not to say like that, that makes it right, it makes me right rather. Um, I'm growing out of the idea of like, you know, people having to make up um, hmm. like fictional problems that are defined in terms unique to that world when there are so many actual genuine problems that people can have. Um and this is also a problem in, as it happens with episode seven, um, which I'll get to again in the bit. I think that's a perfectly so, yeah, like, reasonable. This is, this is a perfectly reasonable mood, though, on your part, given you know that it's May twenty third, twenty twenty. Feel like the amount of problems mm-hmm. uh, that are you know like right here, right at our doorstep, uh, is is a high amount. So yeah, I, I get what you mean in terms of this moment being kind of uh, fatigued with 
neologisms as you put it yeah yeah exactly um all right do you have another talking point doc mm. uh i really like the whole anarchy business uh with um you know the the sex pistol boys and near how he's you know they're as what are they translated as big brother you know and it's not like the familiar bro- mm-hmm. familial brother it's more like uh Almost like an organizational thing, I think. Like I've seen, I've seen this yeah. in anime with like in uh, delinquent gangs and things like that. You have an anarchy, like an older brother figure who kind of takes care of everyone else, and they kind of anointed near that when near slapped their uh, their boss at the the amp repair shop and threw his payment on the ground, yeah. which is a pretty sweet moment. I have to say that kind of ruled, and uh, <laughs> you know. And you, you kind of take what you can get from this show in terms of the moments that make you feel good and make you feel something. And that that made me feel like, you know, hell yeah, do it near. And then it was very it was making it rain. <laughs> totally. And, uh, you know, and, and the boys then took him in and they were very sweet. You know, I was waiting for something sinister to happen and it never really did. Um, they were they were very sweet characters and it's a shame they were very likable and enjoyable um and they they stole a cop car basically which is which is pretty cool <laughs> and they flew it into yeah. uh into the sort of cor- the the center for like the the corporate the corporate headquarters right the tower the that um sort of symbol of power and wealth and capitalism and what oh, have oh, you. you mean um you mean bigger ben right indeed yes <laughs> large <laughs> larger ben um bigger ben yeah right? yeah it's true um i i have to say by the way like i will give listeners episode seven um this credit i really like the look of like londinium in this episode like the walls that they built and such like to make it all very segmented uh the lot of it looked quite run down like I think they did a good job in getting that mood across there. Like, and of course with bigger Ben being like the, basically the Citadel from Half-Life to <laughs> that kind of like, you know, on um, like over like omniscient presence. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can always see it from wherever you are. Like it's always watching. Um, but I suppose um, I, uh, do you have any more to add on that doc? Like, sorry. No, 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 not really. I mean, I think Londinium is a great name by the way, for uh, a, te- a bad name for an element. Like if they were to discover a new, uh energy source underneath london and they called it that i'd be like oh my god but they called the city well, it was actually that. The ori- i was like fuck yeah that's great it it was actually the original name of london um as it was designated in roman times wow oh that's cool that's interesting um there were yep. like four i since i am not familiar with the sex pistols there were like a bunch of groups that i thought that this episode could be uh kind of um signaling like you know richie i was like oh, are they gonna do lionel richie the episode was called something about rage and i was like oh hell is this rage is the machine episode <laughs> heck yes and then londinium for some reason was just like is this a future sound of london deal but it turned out to be none of those <laughs> yeah the actual title card for that was um the graphic and artwork was based on the sex pistols never mind the bollocks cover i'll cover that as all right, so I suppose I should address my problem with episode seven um, overall. And this, again, I think speaks to my issue with Kirk Bain um, and, you know, the whole issues I had with 
episode four relying on the audience's knowledge of nirvana rather than like actually putting that you know in properly on its own like the show that is so the sex pistols were very like anti-authoritarian like you know god save the queen a fascist regime and all that you know pretty vacant like even if you've got like a passing knowledge of them that's the kind of mood they put across like they were you know like god save the queen was like well fuck the queen basically it wasn't you know approving of her or the monarchy um and here's the issue do they play it though at pro-monarchy events Oh god, you know what? Like there are people stupid enough in this country. To That's do that, so I won't be Okay, surprised. so I'm 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 saying that because we do that shit with the Bruce Springsteen song Born in the USA, which is a very anti-American song. But like at 4th of July every year, people just like close their ears off to the boss during the verses cuz they just want to do the Born in the USA. They just want to hear that. And so yeah. yeah, I was wondering, is this the case with you know, the old pistols. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, God. All right, so here's the thing, right? Um, Johnny Rotten, uh, Lied and Richie, um, Sid Vicious, whatever, you know, throughout the first half until, or in fact, the first two-thirds of the episode, they say, like, the government's basically ruining their lives and the lives of the people. And here's my question. And yes, I know that the people will retort, well, see what happens in the episode. But where's the proof of that? The the uh it seems like the um what did they call it? Was it called a scrape? When all the cop robots flew around and they were like, Okay, because the earless are here, we're now gonna do this thing where we blow up our own city. Like, that was kind yes, of lost on me. I don't really point. understand what the... Maybe I'm just thick. Well, like, I don't get that's, that. That's That moment is the cutoff point I was referencing. Oh, 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 oh. And okay, okay. The, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and the comments they make come before Gotcha, that. yeah, okay. And you might say, okay, there, there's your proof, Shads. That's what... It's true. They did blow up the sea for whatever reason, for Operation Godfather. Who knows? Like, whatever the fuck that <laughs> Operation is. Operation Godfather. I mean... <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ! We're getting back into um, what was the what was the name of the uh, oh we're getting back to the ring horny shit from French, you know, like where they're just throwing names out there with no explanation. Like I don't care, call it what it is. Don't 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 reference shit like this. It's Operation Godfather. Like what the fuck is that? Why is it Operation Godfather? What does that have to do with the sex (laughs) pistol? No. Is it going to make me an offer I can't refuse? What the fuck? Definitely. Come on. Uh, anyway, anyway. Like, so my question is, prior to that moment, they have been complaining throughout the episode the government is, like, oppressing the people or something like that. Where's the evidence? Where is that shown? Where have we seen that in the prior episodes? I'll tell you, we haven't. And this got right on my nerves because here's the thing. It's, again... Like, they, they they are suggesting that, be, not because the show has done sufficient work in building up what the government is doing and the fact that they're bad, ah, um, in my opinion. I see. But because that's yeah. what the Sex Pistols, you know, like, were all about. And I'm like, that's the show borrowing from them as a real-life band, 
without doing the necessary groundwork of its own to justify the actual attitude they're putting across. And incidentally, this also is why I uh, find it a problem like with the neologisms. Like, they have to invent this Operation Godfather where they kill a bunch of people in, like, you know, the um, in this town for the airless, like, basically doing the Sexy 7, like, Midgar shit base, you know, in, in a nutshell. But are they, I mean, um, what are they trying to accomplish? I don't understand. I don't fucking know. Because I totally get the Sector no 7, idea. like, I completely understand what they're trying to do there, at least as it's presented in 7R. But I, like, I, well, I was, I was... I was I was referencing it in terms the of destruction. Like, yeah. Oh, totally, like, totally. But like, yeah. yeah. But what's oh by oh speak speaking of which, that's completely unaddressed in episode eight. I've just realized as well. Like we massacred an entire quadrant of London. Uh, oh, actually, no. I take that. They back, just walk the timeline back. Obviously, episode. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, episode eight, for some reason, like is. We're going to show you the last, like, 72 hours, but from these guys' points of view instead of Nier's point of view. Uh, But hopefully hopefully it'll be addressed in episode 9. But, like, what? How is that supposed to drive the earless away? Like, making... Like, are they sort of... uh, I don't know. I haven't... I haven't really picked up on the fact that, like, human suffering or distress would, like, drive them away. Like, so what's... What is the deal there? Does that make them like the... um does that make them like the Grim from Ruby, uh, which themselves are drawn to like mass gatherings of people, like with like going through? I don't know. But my point is, why are they inventing this Operation Godfather stuff to show the government is bad? <laughs> like after the, after the Sex Pistols have complained about it, like where's the evidence prior to that point that backs them up? Because you know there were plenty of reasons to hate the government back when the Sex Pistols were around, and there are still plenty of reasons to hate them now that are, you know, rooted in actual genuine inequality and, you know, people suffering. I'm not even talking before, I'm like, because of COVID. I'm talking before that, you know. Yeah. So, I, and that's, like, a problem I find with a lot of shows and even works of fiction these days. I don't sense I've realized, like, for example, in Deus Ex, um, which is a video game, not an anime, although I'm sure some people would argue otherwise, like, the main problem in that, or the main, like, source of conflicts in that game um is the Grey Death, which is a made-up, like, Illuminati plague that's wiping out the poor. And the thing that I realised, after thinking about it, is that writers often, as a crutch, have to rely on making up stuff like the Grey Death, uh, or in um, listeners' case, Operation Godfather, because we're too desensitised to actual humour and inequality and suffering as it is in real life. Maybe they're afraid of, like, alienating and... conservatives. <laughs> Oh, fuck <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Fuck him. But like, and that's my that's my grievance there with this thing. Like, we're only going to tell you after the fa- show you an event after the fact that justifies something we've put out before, because you know we're relying on you knowing that the Sex Pistols were anti-authoritarian rather than justifying it in universe. Like before, you don't get some. You don't get points really, in my opinion, for doing it after the facts. Like, to prove them right. You've got to show it ahead of time, and you've got to show it in ways that aren't necessarily just about, like, you know, massacring a ton of people for what seems like no reason. Well, it's it's a similar problem to, like, what we talk about with adaptation, and, like, you know, you we're, we're judging the, the anime as presented on screen to us and not, like, based on all this extra stuff that we feel like, you know, it, there are exceptions, but, like, most of the time... A work should stand on its own. And so if you want you, if you listeners, the show and creative team want us to 
understand that the government is oppressing these, you know, these people. Um, it's maybe should do a little more. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just sort of like the presence of poverty in general, right? Is, is shitty enough, like to demonstrate that there's some, some big inequality here because we see how they live. They being the sex pistols and Vivian and, you know, they just kind of subsist on bland tomato soup and they're jobless and, you know, they, they have to live with, uh, they have to live with Vivian in order to, to eat, you know, because the, you know, thank God she was there, but, you know, to take them in or otherwise who knows what would become of them. So I don't know, maybe this is enough of a, of a, uh, picture being painted here at the, the inequality present in, in this city that you have people like Tommy and his, uh, lieutenants as are shown with Moo, and then you have people like the Sex Pistols who are, you know, barely scraping by. Um, perhaps, perhaps that's sufficient. Then you're, you know, clearly your mileage is going to vary on that because Shadon did not feel like the episode did did enough uh, to to adequately Maybe demonstrate that. Yeah. that. Like, perhaps, perhaps that's my issue in it in itself as well. But like. The thing is, though, I think my retorts that would be that the that's an individual portrayal of just these particular people, right? And there needs to be something more systemic. I would agree. Like they cl- they clearly have a problem about the government, which in itself is a system. What's like? Oh my god! Like, this is oh, I so agree with it. Like this is like the failure of so much fiction is demonstrating. Like showing how these problems are individual, like or pa- painting that these problems are, you know, these individual situations and not like rooted in the fabric of, like you said, a, a, a bad system, a system gone wrong. Cause that's just going to reinforce this freaking idea that like, you know, ah, oh, they just have a hard luck or they just fucked up somehow. It's just, there's they don't it, even it's seem like, that hard, no, but honest, no, I the don't. idea is the idea that you want to show that the sex pistols wanted to show is that like, the deck is rigged against them, against everyone from the start, uh, against most people, I should say, from the start, except those who it isn't. And those are the ones who are reaping the vast majority of all the benefits. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a, such a good point by you. I think that's a big failing. Yep. Uh, go see any Ikuhara work as an example of how to bingo. Um Bingo. So, uh, but I also have one final nails point in the coffin of episode seven, which is this. Uh, You might recall that I complained about episode four, about how they spent Nirvana, conceptually, if you want to call it, uh, just to make a silly point about how Hull was, like, you know, trying to avoid... You know, I don't even fucking remember (laughs) or understand Hull's plan. That that drugs are bad. Whatever. (laughs) The teen spirit is bad for you. Yeah, so, like, I felt like that they spent, like the reference to nirvana for very little and in a similar fashion they spent the sex pistols here to have near think that moo is evil yeah that is fucking wasteful <laughs> in my opinion two fun moments along I mean, the way but i could complain but yeah. I, I could also complain that, hey, I mean, again, this is surface level stuff, but I, I think that you and I have discussed many times how we don't care for stuff that's built on misunderstandings mm. when characters don't seem to think things out. Like, 
why does like why does Nier not like thinks himself? Hey, wait a minute. Oh, sorry. Like what? Like what's you know what's going on here? Um, you know, it, something's a bit off. Like the fact that Nier was willing to go straight from I think Moo's all right to I don't know she's turned into Satan or something without any like second guessing or question. I'm just like what? Is this just a manufacturer of fight against them? Like, oh, in fact, I just had a premonition. Shit. Like, all right. Wild, crazy theory and shade and prediction on the theory table. Coming. Mark your theory coming. Theory coming. Let's, let's, uh, let's, you know, put the chips down. Um, Nier is going to fight Mew while Mew is possessed. Oh, that's absolutely going to happen. And Mew is going to kill Nier. Mew is going to kill Nier, and Nier's death is going to wake her up from her trance. Talk about the talk about wasteful spending of of currency. I that would annoy me. That would annoy me if that happened. It would. Near is too good. I and it, I don't remember. I know this is very bad. It's been like a month since I've seen the episode four. Like Near's pronoun. I think I refer to them as he. Is did I get that wrong? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna confess, man. I can't here, remember. I, don't know. I can't remember what. Oh boy! I'll just, I'll just use, I'll just, I'll just. Use yeah, I think I'll do that to be safe because I so. genuinely don't remember. I feel like that was a plot point, but I can't remember which way they ended up going on that. Anyway, I mean, they. I mean, after all, the Sex Pistols say. Yeah, they thought they. If near is. A yeah, girl, they treated near like then, uh, a dude, but you know, I, I don't know. Anyway, 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 anyway. Um, that yeah. would suck. So, yeah, I feel like it's just been utterly wasteful to get that, like, just to spend them for the sake of making this misunderstanding, um, which I don't care. We're just, like, <laughs> counting okay, down I'll the weeks until the th- summer season. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll grant that this, though, like, it would be an interesting callback to what happened with the New Bowton sisters when um, you thought she had killed Echo if that, like, okay, I don't want Nier to die in such a pointless way, but at the same time, I can see how that would parallel with that, if, like, you know, because she's under mind control. That would be a thing. I can see that being a parallel. But, like, how much time have we actually spent on the idea of Mew, like, fearing her lack of control? Doesn't seem like a lot. No. No, and, yeah. Hmm. All uh, right, I I don't think I have any other points really to add. I just think that, like, I think that the show like is leaning too hard into making references for the sake of them. Like, hey, these are bands that you know. Like, we're gonna reference these. Like, the the place to be called all along the Watchtower and stuff like that. We're gonna quote actual lyrics from it and stuff. You know, <laughs> um, here's uh, here's Nancy. You know. Sid's girlfriend, wife, whatever, you know, like, she's there briefly for a bit. Um, Here's Courtney Lover's whole, like, this character who's been, I'm just like, but there's not enough of the show's, like, own actual, like, original material, like, what it's bringing to the plate that's done for itself, um, for me to truly get invested. We're in that, like, as I say, Uncanny Valley situation where the references are more irksome rather than reverent to me. Because there's nothing for the show to fall back on of its own. Yeah. 
I mean, when you're having to bank on like the knowledge of the audience about Nirvana and the Sex Pistols, um, to show that these people are important and stood for something in the place of them standing for something in the show itself, because of what they do in the show, that to me like feels like well, it almost feels like cheating from a writing perspective, and it's unavoidable, admittedly, when you are making references, even if they're incredibly surface level, like. You know, mentioning, for example, like JoJo's stand. You know, like stand. Like if a stand was something that wasn't like named after a musical reference, you probably wouldn't care about it. But then, like you know, it's got a musical reference behind it. And suddenly, it's cooler as a result just by the name. So even then, when like the musical references are, well, they're mostly they're very. It's very just surface. flavor at I that mean, point, just, which is yeah, fine. Fla- flavor. Yeah, even when they're flavor, they still bring a little bit of baggage in the book. This show does not go in hard enough on its references to be about them. Like, I would actually argue in favor of the show, like, not having a villain at the end at all or a plot to find Jimmy whatsoever. Like, if it were to be about the references to these old, like, bands and such, you know, um, dispense with the plot about, like, finding Jimmy entirely. Make it about, like, visiting these various places. Make it somewhat like Acca 13, a show that I historically <laughs> didn't care for, but. Like, the more I think about it, the more I realize that maybe I was misunderstanding it and, like, not taking it on its own terms. Like, make it a travel log kind of show where, you know, we are going from place to place and visiting all these old, like, all these bands and meeting all these players and such. But there is no overarching plot. So we can then enjoy these things in isolation rather than be like, well, okay, where's this leading? Where's this leading? Like, if the answer to it leading nowhere is, well, that's intended, great. I'm cool with that. That's fine. That's fantastic. Or as I say, alternatively, dial back the references and let more of the show's own material come in. Or, as a third option, expand this to two cores and give enough breathing room for both to happen simultaneously. It's all perfectly possible, in my opinion, for this to work. Um, But I would be lying if I said that it is working for me right now because it really just isn't. Do you think Jimmy's alive? I think the bigger question I should be asking is, do I care that Jimmy's alive? <laughs> fair, fair. But that aside, do you believe, do you think Jimmy's alive? Or has uh, he eaten his last world? I. Oh, I was about to make that joke, you <laughs> fuck! Dicks! Oh my god, I was just thinking of how I was going to get that and you stole it from me, you... <laughs> fuck my life. But, oh I, but seriously, oh, I do okay. seriously want want to, to know if you think he... Because I'm not... I feel like he might not might not be. And I think that that's uh, important to the show. Want, but I'll, ta- I'll tell you why in a sec. I'm going to say that I, I think I actually know where you're going to go with the idea of him not being alive. Um, for me, um, I don't think he is either. Um, I think that there's no like it just in terms of the evidence that we've seen here, there isn't any. Mm-hmm. They all all they have is a hope, a wing and a prayer, like a, a breadcrumb trail of clues that may or may not lead. Oh Jesus, um, that may lead them to, you know, finding Jimmy, even if he is like six feet under at that point. Um, but yeah, I no, I I don't think he is because. I mean, as far as the show is presented, and in terms of, like, a mystery, you know, it's like I've said before, if you want 
you know, the audience to have this suspense about whether or not he is alive, you need to pepper in hints um, that the characters may or may not be aware of, but we would ultimately be aware of as proof of that. Um, and there hasn't been any. Mm-hmm. The most we've got is that Mu has, like, uh, Jimmy's, like, core part. Um, well, did we see him how sh- in episode two or three, like, standing, like, watching the train go by? Was that, like, meant to be an illusion? I feel like we've seen a scene of him was it? standing on the shoulder of his robot. Wasn't that New Bowson's That was them. That's right. There's another one, though. That's I don't know. I don't know. Um... Well, if that's the if that's the only reference they want to give, then maybe they need to have more of it. Yeah, because um, I don't think he is. And I, so, here's what I think. I've been thinking about this as we've been talking, trying to kind of come up with something. Possibility of what the show is driving at, or at least one of the things. Maybe it's the journey of an artist to find their own original voice. Um, because Tommy says something to to Moo. Like once she says, uh, sorry, once he says that Jimmy comes back, he'll give you your true name and you'll know your true self. Oh, shit. You just reminded me of something that also pissed me off, but I'll get started. So possibly this. But does Mew care about that, though? Well, okay. Um, Well, she doesn't know who she is, right? And if you've. If you've lost, I mean, you know, maybe you could argue like, well, she's made this new life for herself. But isn't that the whole reason she's trying to find Jimmy is to find the truth about who she is? And like, you know, it ultimately end up, will end up not being him. Like she'll kind of make her own truth, I think, and she will find her original voice. And so it's like an artist kind of navigating through a sea of influences and seeing, oh, there's like all this other shit out there. There's Nirvana, there's Prince, there's Sex Pistols. Like they have this larger than life history and like, you know, who am I? Like, I'm just a copy. I'm just like another Jimmy Stonefree or that's what they want to make me. Um, But but, but when I say about Mew caring, um, what I want to know is like, does she, does she want like to find out for like to reject this legacy that's following her, or does she want to find out to embrace it? Does she have any like concerns? She probably has to know what it is first before deciding that, do, right? Yeah, like does well, there's that as well. Like you know, how does she feel about all of this? We've had so little time spent about her, at least as I feel about it. Like you know, her like having. Where's the crisis? Where's the crisis? Basically, you know, of the crisis of identity for her. Like, where's the where's the inner? Yeah, like she doesn't. She's not. Um, yeah, she doesn't really seem very existential about it. It just seems like, um, well, here's a thing. I, here's I mean, like a an item I have to get. Is is how it's sort of being treated. Yeah. Um, I got to get the the truth bottle, and then I'll drink the truth bottle, and then, bajam, everything will be okay or I'll decide what to do from there or something like that. But even if I'm correct in in terms of like this whole journey has been uh one of an artist ultimately trying to find their true voice. I feel like there has been a lot of sort of wasted time or like stuff that doesn't really work in service of that if that is the main goal. Um so rather than giving it more cores, 
I, I'm th- the way I'm thinking about it right now is like you could just trim this sucker up. You could make it six episodes and mm. tell everything you want to tell. Yeah. Um, you'd have to kind of cut well, short a lot of the references, but oh well, <laughs> you know. Oh no. We'll lose the Pink Floyd episode. However, will I cope? Or, or just they'll make cameos Fuck. somehow. I don't know. Um, Fox, if I know, mate. Um, but yeah, like I, the thing is, like, there's a specific scene in this episode, okay. uh, episode eight, days where like Echo says to Mew, like, you're gonna find out. Somebody's defensive. You're gonna find like Jimmy and learn like stuff, but she doesn't respond to him, and that is a problem. And when I say she doesn't respond, like the lack of response in itself can be a response. But that needs to be portrayed through her actions. She just—it just seems to like the comments seems to just completely evaporate without any sort of like return on it. And that's I think is a microcosm of my problem with this whole like going to find Jimmy thing. Like I have no clue, or at least I don't feel I have a clue of what import this has to Mew. Like whether she cares or not. And there is one other thing that I want to mention that you've just reminded me of that did piss me off, which is. It's a repeat of a Frank's problem again. Oh, you know, my Bible for criticism, which is you saying, hey, you know what? Like, I get, I, we're going to keep my, like, this precious name that Echo gave me. I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, we're doing this shit all over again, aren't we? Oh, <laughs> you know, where... no, please, please. That... <laughs> Don't remind me of that. Oh, that was the worst. I'm just getting exhausted. She ate a book. <laughs> she yeah. ate a book. Yeah. Why? <sighs> I, I do. I, I am getting very, very fucking tired of the idea. I mean, I'm speaking as a cishet dude here, like, you know, and you can call me whatever the fuck you want for this. I don't care. But I just get really tired of the idea that there are too many narratives out there in anime and perhaps elsewhere where, okay, here's this confident woman, but behind, like, but the foundational myth behind her, like, you know, the thing that defines it is... a dude. Behind every confident woman is a simpering man. A spineless puddle. Yeah. And the thing is, I like Echo as a character, generally speaking, even though there's not much to him, like, or they've not spent much time on him. Like, he's not fucking Hero, or whatever his pissing name was. Oh, um, yeah. No, definitely not. He's not. He's not that. But, like, that's another thing I can point to, which is that okay, if Mew has anything that she wants to take forward and define for herself, the one thing she seems to mention is her name, which was given to her by a dude. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. I'm tired of it. Like, you know, let people be themselves, like, defined by themselves. Be they man, woman, you know, whatever. This is why I think her finding the truth will be important, you know, because all she has is this sort of definition by other people you know echo and jimmy but like hopefully do you do you do you really think she's going to pick in a name for herself by the end of the show i doubt it she's gonna stick with you probably because i don't know she'll be like you know it's my choice like this is me intentionally taking that name when i i have my my true name or whatever boy that you know what you just said there like that's my choice jesus christ you reminded me of phantom (laughs) oh it's not the same thing by a long shot of course but it's the same principle what was the fan there was a phantom thing that was exactly like this he gave her her name right and she i completely forgot about that (laughs) 
<laughs> We're speaking of Phantom Requiem for the Phantom. Based on, uh, what's the name of the visual novel? Phantom colon something? I have it at the office. I have the CD-ROM. <laughs> or no, it's a DVD! You can only buy a d- the fucking DVD and play it that way. God, we're ending this Phantom episode. Inferno. We're close to our end here. Phantom we're, Inferno. And we're, and we're and we're just we're getting close to the end of this episode, and we're just excavating all of our most horrific mm-hmm. memories. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm reliving like a Vietnam War flashback. That's a Ged or a Bucci original visual like, novel, my friend. And okay, I'll be fair. Like we've never played. I've never played the visual novel, so like I even though I said I would. Um, Where's yellow? <laughs> get him on. B-train get yellow on the line. Uh, fuck you, B train. Totally. Um, but yeah, like I, it's look. It's not as big a problem as it has been elsewhere, like with Phantom or Franks or Shield Hero. But if that's all that Mew has got going in terms of like her identity crisis, quote unquote, that this is supposedly leans towards, that it's just about a name and not about what it means for her as a person, like you know what she wants to do with her life. Uh, you know, like what her responsibility to the player is or anything like that. Like, well, why should I care? So, like, I could see someone arguing, well, like, this is what makes her strong is because she doesn't give in to these existential kind of doubts or whatever. But I need to see that play out for even for a few seconds. This times a thousand. (laughs) Like, it, you know, it's there's a different there's a total difference in how it comes off. Like it comes off in this way as if like it's not a big deal. But, like, it, it will be so much better, and it would speak to her confidence as a character and her, and her strength if we just saw her, like, laying awake at night, you know, thinking about that and stealing her resolve, you know, to be like, look, just got to put this away and focus on the mission. Um, once I, like, find Jimmy. Where's the humanity? Exactly. The exactly. Humanity? Exactly. You know, at this rate, I reckon we're never going to find out an explanation for why she got Battle Angel elited and left in a junkyard. Oh my gosh. Doesn't that seem random as fuck to you? <laughs> Battle Angel elite. <laughs> it is random as fuck. I, uh, we, I feel like that's not, that's the sort of detail that I feel like is not without, um, what am I trying to say? Not outside of the realm of possibility that we'll get some sort of like quick lip service to. Like, I, God, dropped you there. <laughs> or something. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? She, she ordered an Uber to the wrong place. <laughs> I um, I mean, okay, that's admittedly a minor detail. In, uh, like I've said before about the idea that the robot can fly, but they don't use it. It it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I'll just finish up by saying, like, I want this show to be about something. Because at the moment, like, what it's trying to be about at least as I see it, which is to homage and integrate uh, musical references into its own, like, very diegetically, like, designed world of music and the power thereof. Like, it isn't doing, like, justice either to its own, like, unique material, the own things that it's bringing that are unique to itself, or, the, for the most part, the bands and music that it draws influence from. And even to the point where it is relying and substituting that, like, knowledge and um, reputation of these bands and performers in place of its own unique material and substance and meaning. And if it is just supposed to be a big pastiche that is atop it is going to be 
like built like these scenes that are going to make us feel something like what is that supposed to be i'm i'm not i'm just not there nope i think we've done it i think this is a podcast Finally, it's only taken us five years. <laughs> no, this is an episode. <laughs> I'm, j- I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, your intentions revealed. Oh, no. Um, well, I guess this has been uh, our stream of thought for listeners, episode six, seven, and eight. Please, uh, if you want to support us, you can hop over to, to Patreon at patreon.com slash show. Benefits galore, adding more, I'm sure, in the future as we attempt to get back on the horse that we've been violently thrown off of because of virus and economy and such like, but you can also just like, like our stuff on Spotify and Apple pods and Twitter and YouTube subscribe it and share it and review it. If you do, if you write us a review and, and Apple pods, we'll read it. I'll read it in whatever accent you choose. Oh, you, you've opened the band door there, Doc. Like, that's it. That that genie is out of the bottle now. You are going to have to read it in Jamaican. <laughs> no, that's just so bad. Do the waka. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you, you, you... I'm sorry, but you've put it out there now. Oh, that's it. Like The folks, career ender. <laughs> normally, I would defend... I would, I would defend Doc's the end of my days, but like he's he's dug his grave yeah. here. If you want to start like shoveling that dirt on top, you this go is, right yeah, ahead. This is like, you could get me cancelled here, if I suppose, if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes uh, please do definitely check out our patron um, if you as, as Doc has, has said you know like if you are not up for subscri- uh, supporting us financially that's totally cool uh, do check us out like leave us a rating a subscription etc would really appreciate that um, we will be back hopefully next week to pick up uh, with yesterday episode 8 uh, we'll be returning the week afterwards once listeners episode 9 is out um and god it actually just scares me to realize how quickly time has gone by like it just feels like you know everything the space time seems has been flushed down the drain um so one thing that we should mention before we close this podcast um is unfortunately um the wider anime community um both east and west as far as i'm concerned um Unfortunately, lost a, a pretty great champion in it this week in Zach Bertsky, who has sadly passed away. I I bring this up because, speaking for myself here, I didn't know Zach. I don't think I ever spoke with him or ever had the opportunity to do so. I'm just a person on the periphery who knew about him. But um, by from what I could see as an outsider looking in, like his work was pretty vital to the kind of like um anime journalism we have now that so it basically hasn't turned into a massive cesspit lord knows people are fucking trying to turn it into that um and everything i've seen since um since he passed about people's tributes and such he makes it strikes me that he was a very principled man um who did stand up for the people like you know whom anime unfortunately more often than it should as in it should never really you know take unfair pot shots out and not like give proper representation uh to and 
everything that I've seen about, like, you know, how people, you know, like, were given first jobs by it, how he was critical but not cruel, like, you know, about how he helped nurture people's, like, uh, anime journalism careers and such, uh, the people at ANN who works with him, he strikes me as a really, really great person. Um, and I am aware, but haven't unfortunately read in great detail about how he struggled with his sense of self-loathing over the years um, and his mental health. And I don't mean to bring myself up here by means of comparison um, in any in that kind of way, but I have been through similar like sense of self-loathing myself. Um, and to, like from what I understand, like his writing on that was very, very insightful and very honest um and should absolutely be respected for that um this is admittedly from me is like a very limited kind of like you know tribute to him because i say i didn't know him that well but i can't help but like mention like one influence he seems to have had on such people and that like the absence he has now left um in people's lives like is something that will obviously never be replaced but i think that what's important to remember is that like we will still have memories of him. Like, people will still have those. Like, we'll have the things that he posted, the videos he posted, like, and just, of course, the things that we keep inside our hearts as well. Um, and that's true of anyone that we've lost. So, if you knew Zach better than I, or even if you didn't, like, but you still have good memories of him, you keep them close. Um, don't let them, you know, don't forget them. Use them as examples to drive you forward, to improve yourself either be in terms of you know like your own mental health like you know through how he wrote about that or your journalism or your criticism of anime like all that sort of stuff um doc i'm gonna just pass over to you to if you want to offer a few words on the subject yeah shadan um boy this was incredibly difficult uh, for me, and I'm I'm not a person who uh, knows or knew. That's fucked up, man. To pass it, knew the man uh, personally. I didn't meet him. I interacted with him a couple times on Twitter, but I've admired him uh, for many years. Um, you know, you spoke about the professional uh, kind of accolades and like the things he did for the the community and not just the community in terms of like the fans but like what he did kind of making the this like vendor neutral independent like website anime news network like a big deal and just so much of like giving writers their their breaks, giving them platform to become well-known and um, supporting progressive causes, you know, supporting Anifem and kind of, you know, you alluded to like really being out there before Gamergate even just, you know, saying, hey, like misogyny, you know, is bad and it's bad when it's an anime and we should treat it for what it is. Um, gosh, it's, it's really hard to like even wrap, wrap my arms around kind of what he meant to like anime, anime writing, anime news, coverage, journalism, all that stuff. But, um, just from a personal point of view, like 
he's just an important voice that's been in my life ever since I got back into anime. Like I, I was out of it uh, in grad school, but then, you know, afterwards in, in 2009, I really jumped back in with both feet because I needed something to distract me because I had been through some pretty uh, profound personal tragedy around that time. And, you know, I was getting into anime, watching a lot of anime. And I remember at work, uh, I was doing like a really menial task. I was like, God, I don't want to think. Uh, I need something to listen to so I won't think because uh, my mind will go to bad places. And like, and I, I found Ancast. And uh, this is Ancast before they had the nice music they have now. It was a really shitty, like tropical <laughs> theme that was just terrible. But uh, <laughs> Zach and uh, Justin Savakis were doing that and uh, just really enjoyed their what they brought to the table. And ever since then, like, I've been a fan of, of his, of, um, of anime news network, um, of, of the kinds of writers and, and people that they give voice to this sort of stuff they do. And it was all like Zach was sort of the, the brain trust, like, uh, the, the, the heart of the engine there. And, um, not, not having that presence uh, not having the his presence uh, in social media on podcasts that I know he loved to do in the writing of ANN and the running of ANN and uh, just kind of the larger viewpoint and principles like you said that he brought to it it's um it's really tough and I know that so many people did know him uh, very well and they're they're really hurting and even people like myself that were only kind of knew him tangentially or, or just were aware of him and admired his work. I know they're hurting. Um, it's a profound loss made sort of stinging all the more. I think of how sudden it is. I mean, I, I was, um, yeah, like I was reading the day before I found out like from, you know, uh, bamboo and Mike tool and, uh, a couple of other people, Justin, um, you know, some very cryptic tweets, Evan Mento, uh, and I got really worried because it sounded like someone had passed away. And, and so I was triangulating like, all right, who do all these people know that hasn't sent a cryptic tweet that he hasn't tweeted? And I, at the end of the night, I it just couldn't get away from the fact that it was zach's account and i was like please don't let it be so please don't let it be so and then the next day of course the the news went public and it was pretty devastating and i think if if there's anything that we can take from this and and try to be positive in some way it's like you know to to reach out to all of our friends now yes and absolutely. let them know what they mean to us and just make sure that we do all of our part in letting those close to us know that they are not un- unloved that there are people out there that care about them that think of them that need them in their lives and let them know that they can come to you to to talk or to to cry or to vent or you know anything and and uh 
you know, I think if we can do that, that will be a very good thing. And uh, I hope, you know, as you said, Zach was uh, was was just troubled, I think, had had a lot of self-loathing, um, mental health uh, issues. Uh, I, I hope that now, uh, wherever he is, he is at peace. And I just pray for his friends and family, for Jacob Chapman, his former partner, uh, that they can work through their grief healthily and find some acceptance. Yeah. I'll just echo Doc's sentiments there, which is to say that if there is, if there's someone out there like that you respect and admire, um, be it professionally or personally, just take some time, especially in current times more than ever, just to tell them, um, you know, how you feel um, and just let them know that you do admire what who they are and what they do. I'm not saying that, of course, people, you know, people will just disappear the next day. Um, like, you know, I'm not I, I've been talking with people and I've not expected them to just suddenly vanish. But at the same time, you know, like some things should not go unsaid. Because there will become a point where you will not get the opportunity to do that again. And I think we all right now could do with a little bit of comfort with in each other, you know, knowing that, hey, um, we do care about each other. We care about, you know, who people are and what they do. And we're proud of them for those. So, yeah, um, if there's ever anything I would ask you to do beyond, like, you know, forget, like, subscribing to our podcast. Stuff like that. If there was ever a call of act to action that I would want to put um, you know, on a recording that I would definitely want you, the listener, to do, um, it is just to take a moment and do that for someone or even for several people, you know, just check in on them, make sure they're doing okay um, and just tell them that, hey, you know what, like, I do admire and respect you because of who you are and what you do. How you choose to go about that, how you choose to word that is up to you. Just don't miss the opportunity to do it. That's all I would ask. Right. That's the end of the podcast anyway, folks. Um, there will hopefully be some polls coming up over the course of the week. Um, I'll be putting this up pretty quickly. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, please, everyone, take care of yourselves and each other. Um, stay strong. Uh, enjoy the big things the best you can. And from myself and Doc, you know, um, until next time, as we often say, embrace your everyone to the ends of the universe. And good night. Bring back the brothers. Fuck the Tories. Thank you